Welcome to Easy to Digest, your go-to podcast for all things health and nutrition. I'm Vanessa Rosetto, a registered dietitian and apparently an entrepreneur. And I'm Benji Salter, an associate professor of anesthesia. We are so glad you're here. On our show, we're going to cover topics like heart health, gut health, women's health, you name it. Our goal is to make midlife wellness topics easy to digest. Join us as we dive into conversations with other experts, entrepreneurs, and patients. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's our first official podcast episode, and it's also a new year. So happy New Year, B. How happy are you? Year, Vanessa. I am excellent. Uh, another new year, and I am uh, hoping for floating cars. I think they're going to come, 2024. Nice. Nice. Well, today's hot topic is heart health, and we are welcoming our first guest and longtime friend of Benji's, Dr. Dustin Feldman. I'm very excited, but before we get into cardiology weeds, it is that time of year. So let's talk New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions. I wonder what percentage of people start a New Year's resolution, end it by mid-January, end of January. 99%? Uh, 99%. It's got to be up there. Yeah. What are the most common New Year's resolutions? I am going to eat better. I am going to work out more. I am going to work less. Maybe I'm going to work more. Maybe I'm going to go back to school, all these kind of things. Uh, but I think I would say the most popular one has got to be a food-based resolution. So what's your what's your hot take on food-based resolutions here? I mean, I, I don't think they're very sustainable. And I think... I mean, I actually think they're stupid. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yeah. We just put like all this charge into food and like give it so much power. And, you know, you're really great for 31 days. And on the 32nd day, you're taking, you know, a fifth of a handle of vodka to the head and like eating sleeves of Oreo cookies. And there's no sexy rice on the horizon, no protein, no fiber. And you're you're in a world of hurt. So don't do it. Just, you know, call a registered dietitian. We take insurance. That's my plug for Kalina Health. Uh, but no, seriously, if I mean, maybe, you, maybe omitting, you don't have to go, you don't have to go zero to a hundred. Maybe you go like, do. You know, I know, but so maybe you say like zero to 50 and, you know, by Easter, that's the beautiful thing about like holidays. We almost have like designated parts of the calendar that kind of, you know, you can refresh or you can kind of up the ante, but you're right. People go, yeah, I'm going they, full, they, you know, yeah, they're like, it's a, it's a reset. I'm like, it's not a reset. Yeah. Because you're not learning, you're you're not learning how to do it. Like, you know, it's a good idea to eat vegetables and fruit and drink water and not drink alcohol every day. Yeah. Just, just try that. I, I promise you, just you try. will all you will you will literally all lose five to seven pounds in like two weeks. I swear. Twenty twenty four is the year of common sense and moderation. Is that what you're That's trying right. to tell me? Yes, okay. everyone, please. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. I mean, I'm trying to think of my personal resolutions. Everybody, everybody has a couple, even if they don't tell people about it. I think every year I try and I do actually make up a food resolution, but I, it's that? usually only for one month. A couple of years ago, Robbie and I, my brother, Robbie and I, I think we decided that January was going to be a month of eating no meat and vegetarian. And this is something I, I definitely want to talk to our, um, our, our guest today. Uh, but we talk about no meat but the caveat, this was amazing, is, okay, we only get two cheeseburgers a month. Uh -huh. So we get a whole month of vegetarian and you get two cheeseburgers, which I think that's probably what I eat already is probably only uh -huh. two cheeseburgers, but that's ridiculous. Uh -huh. 
did it and did you stick to oh, it? Yeah, it I mean, of course. Cause like I mean, I, I think that you can hold out for a little bit. I I think we did it for we did it for the month and then we had our two cheeseburgers, but came February, it was like Feb one. I'm I'm like, I need a steak or something. My I just can't do it. I can't do it. My New Year's resolution and my Lenten promise are always the same. It's to give up cursing. Ah, uh, that's impossible for you. That doesn't work. And so here we are. But I try yeah. every year. And this is probably this is probably every year for the past oh, I mean, at least uh, 12 years that I've known you that you've probably said that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, my father once said to me, he was like, I send my daughters to Catholic school and they say fuck. And I'm like, yeah, but we weren't pregnant at 16. And he's like, this is true. So, yeah. like, <laughs> so like he partly raised you right. I mean, listen, yeah. I get it. Again, it's like moderation, but with swearing. Or, it's like the efficacy, whatever you want it's to the say. efficacy yeah, yeah, yeah. of the word, you know, yeah. like, well, like, you need to start um, making your resolutions a little bit more realistic, I think. I know, especially the time when Rocco said to me, I said, what happened to you today? He's like, I don't know, one of those fucking assholes hit me. He was like four and I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, right. it's, uh, I, I think uh, everything just starting at uh, the younger age now with uh, with everything, cussing and whatever you want to say is it's what's happening. Another great topic uh, because Dustin has has kids probably uh, maybe a little bit older than Kate, but uh, he's in that wheelhouse like high school right now. So he's going to have some great insight with that. Um <laughs> And so I, I will tell you, I will tell you that towards the end of 23, I think it started in September and my birthday, I started, my friends and I have all been kind of talking. We're all, you know, 43, uh, this year was 43 for us. We're talking about a lot having to do with, and this is the perfect segue and I'm not doing this necessarily on purpose is about heart health. And we got really into talking about calcium scores. Dustin will attest to that once he comes on. Um, about everything having to do with heart health and and calcium scores and cholesterol and all that. And I think that was the second half of 2023 for me. And now yeah. probably going to be bridge into my 2024. We'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see what 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 it turns out to uh, to to do for me. But yeah, I mean, I think that people don't really give that much thought to their heart health just because like we're young, right? Um, but I do find this statistic really striking. Heart disease has been the leading cause of death among Americans since 1950 and doesn't discriminate. Um, all races, genders, even people under the age of 65 are affected by this. And since 2021, heart disease has, has been responsible for about one in every five deaths or one death every 33 seconds, according to the CDC. So. Just like silence. Going, yeah. going super <laughs> nuclear. We, you know me. I'm always like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Full stop. Get your colonoscopy. Yeah, get yeah, a, yeah. get an echo. Go. Yeah. Your cardiologist just, uh, needs to be your best friend. Like one in five of you are, yeah, are gonna die from heart disease. Way to, uh, Dustin, way to take Dustin's it gonna be on my text thread. Like, and go hey, serious. Dustin. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, it's not. Listen, it's 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 an important statistic. It's wild. We can we can explode that and talking about all races all genders, like all ages, especially the demo for this podcast. Um, heart health has to be taken seriously. It has to be on the forefront of everybody's brains. It has to be from morning to night. You got to be thinking about it. You know, one day doing something well turns into a week of doing something well, turns into a month and a year. 
And whatever it is, again, maybe it's tying it back to these New Year's resolutions, but like doing something better each day, because I, I think I agree with you. I think people underestimate the the um I think underestimate the the incidence, the the prevalence of heart disease. I see a lot of patients who are like, yesterday I was completely healthy. And now today I'm coming for a triple bypass. And most of the time it's, it is a little bit, um, I wouldn't say it's scary. It's certainly eye-opening, but to me or to any other healthcare professionals, you're like, okay, well, you had high blood pressure, you had diabetes, maybe a little bit of obesity, you know, you were a smoker, like you had some, some mixture of these risk factors and you thought you were healthy yesterday because you probably didn't see a doctor or you didn't see a healthcare professional. Now today you have this massive heart attack and now you're very, very sick and you're on the other side of this. And the only way that you can prevent something like that is to think about this way before it happens. This isn't something, you know, this is happening over time. This isn't something that that's a week or a month. This is years and years. And so I think that, um, you, the message has to be, this is obviously very serious, but you have to attack this very early. And I, I still think we're young enough where you can in that 35 to 40 age group. Dustin can talk more about like what we can do here, but I think it's really important, especially now. Your 20s, you don't care about anything. Your 30s, your back is starting to hurt a little bit. You know, you're starting to wake up with a little bit of a hangover. You're starting to like kind of understand. I think your forties are when you really, you're like, wait, what? I got to start a statin. You know, my dad is on a statin. So I think that's when it comes. Um, and I think that's why this is such an important topic and perfect for our first, our first topic. So I'm, with that, yeah. I think- I I am so excited. This is a long time in the making. Um, I want to welcome my expert on the topic of, of heart health, my very, very good friend, Dr. Dustin Feldman. This is so exciting, number one, because now I now I can make Dr. Feldman my friend and I don't have to bother Benji, who never gives me the answers anyway. Dr. Feldman is an interventional cardiologist and founder of Pulse Cardiology, a division of Michigan healthcare professionals. And I'm so excited because you're going to give us the tea on the heart health. Well, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is, uh, this is exciting. I I appreciate it. We are, we are super stoked to have you very, very excited. Uh, We're all going to look back on this when we have 10 million listeners. (laughs) <laughs> and um, we, we were going to keep talking about sexy rights and we'll tell you all about that later. But uh, when everyone's eating our new product mm. and um, uh, I, I think that everybody needs to know that Dustin is really the kind of the go-to guy in, in, in our group of friends. I'm very fortunate to have a, a group of friends that, you know, we, we have, we have a um, gastroenterologist, we got a cardiologist, not like anybody's asking, you know, the anesthesiologist questions a lot often, about anesthesia, but, um, yeah, you do, you do, but, uh, you know, we have people in finance and, and, and all over things. So we're very, very fortunate to talk about that, but, you know, Dust, we were talking about those, the, you know, the statistics and about being under 65 and having all these risk factors looking back on 2023 (laughs) and now looking forward to 2024, what was, what were the big topics in the world of cardiology in your kind of, in your world? So, I mean, I, you know, I think it depends on whose perspective you're looking at it from. Um, right. I mean, obviously, from a, a physician standpoint, 
the field continues to evolve more in a, I guess you could say a, a minimally invasive fashion, right? So I'm an interventional cardiologist. So we continue to try and come up with ways where, you know, people are going to need things fixed. That's just the way it is. Um, but from our standpoint, we're shifting continuously towards minimally invasive procedures, what we call percutaneous procedures, things that are safer for patients, have an easier recovery and, and just as good of an outcome. Um, from the patient perspective, I think it continues to be this notion of driving home the fact that um, medicine and especially cardiovascular care shouldn't be reactive. It should be proactive. And, you know, you, Vanessa, you give these great stats and, and it's so true. I mean, for years, patients, we didn't find out that a patient had coronary artery disease until they presented with a massive heart attack or they dropped dead at home. And, you know, I think we're finally getting to the point where we, we've, we've said, look, you know, we can do things to alter your outcome. It just, it has to be, it has to be reciprocal. There has to be a good balance between, there's teamwork. You know, you, you have to work with your physician to come up with a good game plan. Um, and it's got to be a long-term commitment. It can't just be one of these things where my New Year's resolution is to lose 50 pounds in the next few months. You know, right. I always tell patients, if you come up with unattainable goals, you know, the results are obvious before yeah. you even begin, right? So you have to come up with ways where the goal is achievable. You can do it in a manner that works for you. Um, but yeah, I, I think prevention is is key, and that's what we're driving at. Yeah, I think over the years. Sorry, sorry, V. I just I just wanted to talk about this prevention thing because, like, over the years, I think even in in your career, Dust, you've seen it's not just you know it starts with something simple like a blood test, right? So now you can get a blood test, you can get a full lipid profile, and then based on those results it opens up all these other doors, right? Now you're going to get different scans. You're going to get, um, you know, maybe you're going to get some kind of CTA. Maybe you're going to go more interventional, right? And invasive, and you're going to get a cath or all of these steps. And it's no longer people getting caths in an emergency, right? Now you're going because maybe you're high risk and you're not necessarily doing anything and there's no intervention during the cath. But I think to really highlight what you said, it starts early with both our, as a patient, our kind of mit you know mitigating our risks, but also the whole screening process. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 I think to be honest with you, um, the, the thing that we see most commonly is that oftentimes people wait too long. Um, right. Probably the hardest thing that we deal with on a daily basis. A lot of the things that we treat in in, in cardiology are things that don't necessarily cause symptoms, right? Um, so for instance, high blood pressure, right? Or yeah. with new screening tools like calcium scoring, we're finding coronary artery disease before patients ever have symptoms. So we, we certainly have things to treat those issues. The problem is convincing patients that, hey, you have this issue. I know you feel fine now, but you really should be taking X, Y, and Z or doing these things to change your long-term outcome. A lot of patients, if they feel good, they don't, they don't want to change their ways, right? Yeah. It's only when, when they start to feel poorly that they say, Hey, you know, it makes sense for me to take this or do that. So one of the biggest challenges is just trying to convince people that otherwise feel okay, that things aren't necessarily okay. 
Yeah. yeah I mean, even, I mean, even if it happens to them or it happens to a family or friend. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think just like piggybacking on that, what are the, what are your thoughts on what you should be asking your physician to test for? Right. Like, you know, you're okay. Like basic, you know, metabolic panel and like LDL, HDL. Okay, great. But like, I'm 45. What else do I need to know about? Right, right, right. So it's, it's a great question. I, you know, we, and, and we have more tools than we've ever had. So, you know, I agree the basics, basic blood work panels, you know, CBC, basic metabolic panels, but within the realm of what we do, obviously a standard lipid panel will give you a lot of information, but um, you know, we have things like lipoprotein A, which is uh, essentially a marker for cardiovascular risk. Mine Um, is high. (laughs) There you go. And, and, and so, you know, that along with some of the newer imaging that we have calcium scoring, which you mentioned, I mean, these are fantastic tools. Um, these are things that allow us to identify these issues and, and, and react long before they cause issues. So um, I think that in this day and age, if, if you're going to your physician, um, you know, one of the things I think it's always important to touch on is, is always be your own advocate, right? So, you know, yes, you know, medicine is evolving, but there's still a lot of practitioners that, you know, have been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years, and, and they're kind of set in their ways. And, and they may not necessarily be the biggest proponents of the newest technology that we have. So, you know, sometimes it's up to the patient to say, hey, look, I read about this, or my friend had this, what are your thoughts? Do you think it would be right for me? Um, but I, I, I agree, I think, you know, being proactive, um, being your own advocate, but I think those are the things that I would I would say are, are the biggest keys are are things that are are low risk, um, non invasive blood work, you know, calcium scoring. These are the things that are going to identify problems early. Benji told me the other day that his calcium score was two, and mine is zero. It's like wow, <laughs> just getting that out there, huh? Just throwing yeah. that out to our uh, millions yeah. of listeners, huh? Yep, I'm here. What for happened the long to hobby. registered dietitian patient <laughs> confidentiality? Is that but not a you thing? Didn't, you didn't sign any documents. <laughs> You're not my patient. I don't know anything. I, I am not HIPAA. blaming. Not... I'm not I... blaming my unhealthy uh, obsession with dessert uh, for that. I'm going to say that it was uh, chemo, and um, that's what caused my score to go from zero to two. Fine. Well, I'll tell you what, what gets the biggest smile in my practice nowadays is telling patients they have a calcium score of zero. That's yeah. I'm a zero. I, listen, and you know what else? I'm going to get another calcium score because the one that I had was before I was 45 and I'm like, yeah. oh, I can't wait. Like, yeah. See, now everyone... you got to get it. So now it's going to be three, Vanessa. No, it's you not going to be zero. And then uh, we're going to come back to... and I'm going to say. I, I wanted the guys at Sinai to follow me for this like study that they're doing for a lipoprotein A. And they're like, what's your score? I'm like 131. They're like, yeah, you're not sick enough. I'm like, what? They're like, you're not even sick. You're like, we don't care about you. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I just want to be followed by physicians. They're like someone else, not us. Bye. I mean, Dustin, I had a patient a couple days ago. Um well, I was it when when was it? I don't remember. But you know, they, they were they were obviously they were there for for heart surgery, and their calcium score was zero. And so I, we don't need to go into the <laughs> into the weeds about it. But I I think that there's also a little caveat here, right? Which is this is part of a huge, bigger picture, right? Like you right. you talk to me about okay, well you know the, whatever the score is, then you're talking about mitigating the score and how much it means, but also how much it doesn't mean and, and being careful with, with those results. Yeah. I I think it's important to remember that it's, these are all pieces to the puzzle, right? Um, I mean, there's no, there's no one magic bullet here. There's no, you know, one test that's going to tell you that, um, 
that that your risk is zero. There's always risk, right? Um, and and things change. Um, you know, having a calcium score of zero is fantastic, and and we know that it it, it it's meaning. You know, aside from the fact that it identifies essentially zero, um, you know, hardened plaque in your arteries, is is that it it portends an excellent risk. You know, over the next not only six months but five to ten years, but. It doesn't, I'm doomed. I'm doomed. it doesn't mean that risk it doesn't mean that risk is zero right so there's right. there's there's i mean there's there's more to it than that but it's it's again it's just it's it's a part of this and and you know certainly um you know having a calcium score of zero is is at least a good step you know step and the right. score and what what's like is there a max score on this scale no no max no um, it just I mean, it's just talking about the lesions the calcium kind of yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, the best way to think of it is, is, you know, cholesterol plaque is, is initially soft and then over the course of time it hardens and calcifies. Um, I've seen patients with scores in, in the thousands. Um, and, and it, and the interesting thing is, is that, you know, it certainly increases your, your risk, right. And it, it the chances of you having significant obstructive disease are, is higher. Yeah. Um, but there's more to it than that. It's it's the pattern of how the plaque has deposited itself and, and where it's deposited itself, whether it's in the layers of the walls versus between the walls. So, you know, it's it's which arteries, all that stuff. Correct. So yeah, yeah, but but certainly we understand the very basic premise that the higher your score, the greater the your higher risk. risk. Yeah. Let's- so I wanna I wanna I wanna ask because Vanessa asked the question about what should you be talking to your PCP, your primary care physician, your practitioner about when should someone say, I want to see a cardiologist? Because, because, you know, in a lot of people, depending on the kind of health insurance you have, there is a kind of a gatekeeper. The primary care doctor will have to get you to see a cardiologist, but when should patients start to say, I'd like to see a cardiologist and let's, and they're not assuming they're not having chest pain or, you know, palpitations or something like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting and not not to get a, ahead of ourselves. I, I I do think the day is coming where that gatekeeper mentality is 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 changing and evolving. And I, I think you're seeing the, the beginnings of that in Congress right now. But um aside from all of that, um I think Listen, it's you know we have very clear cutoffs for when you should go get a colonoscopy or, yep. or when you should start getting mammograms, and and those same recommendations don't exist in the world of cardiology yet. Um, which is again why I think from a patient standpoint, it's so important to be uh, uh, your your own advocate. And so if you know that there's a, a family history of heart disease, or um, if you know you might have certain risk factors. Um, I, I think it's important to address that with your physician and, and, you know, it, it doesn't have to be done in an aggressive manner. I mean, you could say in, in the same light that you might say, you know, I'm of a certain age now and, you know, mammograms are a part of my routine and, you know, getting my first colonoscopy, you know, I, maybe it's time that I have a calcium score to, to see where my risk is at. And, and again, I think some of it has to do with, um, y- your primary doctor. I mean, listen, I love my father. He's also in his mid seventies and he's been doing this for 40 years. He's a primary yep. physician and, you know, he tries to keep himself well-versed on new, on new testing and, and, and what's available, but um, you know, you get set in your ways over the course of time. So, you know, I, I think younger physicians nowadays may be more apt to, to suggest these things, which is why, you know, it's even more important for the patient to maybe broach these issues with, with their doctors. But uh, again, I, I think that, um, 
I think just simply having the conversation with your physician and saying, you know, um, I, either I have risk, I know family risk, or even if you don't, just saying, I think this might just only add to, you know, what we know about me and and, and it'll provide clarity yeah. on what we need to yeah. do moving forward. I mean, I don't, I don't think that I love my, my primary care um, physician. I don't think I ever would have gone to see a cardiologist had it had like it not been you and it not been one of my close friends and it wouldn't like a topic du jour. Um, but that's also because like things were, you know, the, the, there is some, you know, family history, but I think my lipid panel was, has always been good. And, and, you know, the physical fitness and diet, like good enough, but, um, Vanessa, have you, do you see, uh, have you seen a cardiologist? Yeah, it was very interesting, but I, I did some consulting work and they did this full extensive four hour exam and they're like, Hey, your lipoprotein A is 131. Like, they did oh, a four hour exam. <laughs> yeah, it was intense. So that's how I found out that I'm going deaf in my left ear. I have glaucoma and oh, this have, wasn't like it, just cardiology. This was no, this is like top to like bottom. Everything. Yeah. Top to bottom. Yeah. It's like rotating it the like tires, part, all that stuff. Yeah. It's like part of like an employee benefit and I was able to like experience it. So then Did I started you any seeing, anesthesia for this. Was there any? I wish um, they had. It's such a yeah, good sleep when that happens. Nitrous uh, or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, then I had this elevated lipoprotein A, and so then I went to this big lipidologist out of NYP, and he was like, "You're not gonna die." I was like, "Promise." <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, we just have to be like really mindful." And all the labs, all my labs, always look good, and you know everything is fine, um, except my LDL is always at this like. It goes like 110, 131, 110, back and forth, back and forth. And now in this past like year with like everything going on with me, I haven't had anybody check. And I'm like, can someone tell me what my LDL is? And if I need to be on a statin? And my cardiologist is very funny. And he's like, you can relax. <laughs> like, we'll put you on a statin after. Last time I checked it was 110. And that's like, okay. I'd like to see it at 70, but like, you should be fine. So I am pretty like, popped up on this. Yeah, Dust, in case you in, in case you haven't already in case you haven't already kind of gotten the Vanessa vibe, I mean, sometimes I guess it's doom and gloom. Everything is like gotta happen yesterday. Like I'm gonna reach out to anybody I know to make this happen. And it happens. Um, <laughs> and it happens. Oh no doubt. No doubt. It happens yeah, very yeah, quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um but everything is I think the sky is falling. Or most well, things. I I mean, also, you know, it's infuriating to me sometimes. Like, my mother is 70-something years old. She smokes cigarettes. Totally fine. There's, like, literally nothing wrong with the woman. Mostly, probably, because she's evil and evil doesn't die. But, like, what? It's, <laughs> like, I've never, like, put it that way, but you're absolutely correct. Yeah. I don't think that there's yeah. a hell. I think God's, like, not yet. And then he's, like, oh, well, yeah. I can't. I'm not ready for yeah, yeah. So that's really the worst, what it is. The, the, the meanest, nastiest like worst mean, patients, they oh just yeah. they just fly. back. Just and, fly. and so she's she's always like, I don't know why there's so much wrong with you. <laughs> like she's like, I think you have too much stress. Like you made me this way. Um, also, yeah. Dustin Benji is the son that my mother never had. She's like, someone is a doctor. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. There's someone. Yeah, yeah. There are someone. bribes. There are bribes. Yeah, there's someone bribes here. Are handed out. Chocolate, yeah, I guess like turkey meatloaf. Yeah, I guess some of the things that I think about though are like. Should I be like entirely plant-based? Should I get on a statin right now? Do Is there something that I need to be doing? Or it's like, 
hey, I'm doing everything that I can. Like, I don't drink alcohol. I exercise basically every single day. I do eat vegetables and fruit. Like, I am, I mean, I also eat Doritos all the time too because they're my favorite thing. But <laughs> somebody has to have happiness. I do like sweets, but I'm like, you know, I control it. Like, I I eat, I have like a varied diet. And, you know, in an environmental standpoint, I'm also like pretty focused on that. So like, am I doing all the things? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I think that's a good question to dust dust when, when someone, when someone comes to you, mm-hmm. like what, what kind of, what are all the things I guess, like Vanessa hinted towards, what are all the things you talk to them about, but also what's your approach? What are the the key tests, you know, that maybe a doctor is going to run just superficially for any of our listeners that are like, okay, I'm going to go see a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. This is what they're going to ask me. These are the tests they may run. Yeah, I mean, obviously, with with the disclaimer here that it it kind of varies from of you know, whether you're totally asymptomatic and just doing this to establish care if you've got symptoms. But I think in general, um, I, I think the things that are most helpful up front to at least identify problems that we may not know about, um, certainly echocardiogram, which is, again, a non-invasive ultrasound, easy enough to obtain. Um, calcium scoring is, a, is at the top of that list nowadays. Um, you know, even if patients don't necessarily have a family history, I think it's, it's worthwhile. And, you know, oh, by the way, you know, we didn't talk about it earlier, but it's, it's, again, it's, and I see this changing in the future, but it's, it's right now it's not covered by insurance. So it's an out of pocket test. The so, calcium store. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, oh yeah. The notion is, bucks the, I to pay. Yeah. I mean, the notion is, is that anybody can get one. You just need to get somebody to give you an order. So not as though you even need to see a cardiologist to have one done. Right. I mean, if, if you're primary physicians willing to write you an order if in Benji's case, you're lucky enough to have a, a, a friend, Yeah, <laughs> but, but I mean, it's, it's so, but these are the things. So calcium scoring, echocardiogram, certainly blood work. Um, you know, as you mentioned, lipid panel, uh, lipoprotein A, those, those things are important. Um, you know, and then again, if there's symptoms, we may consider other things, but I, I think that gives you a relatively good basis uh, of what you're dealing with. Um, and, and at least, you know, kind of uh, tells you where heart, where the patient's heart health is at. And then, you know, oftentimes, depending on the results of those, we may embark on other testing. Opens um, other doors. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is anybody, yeah. Are, are you ever getting an EKG or not routinely? Yeah, no, I mean, we, well, right. So I, I, I guess we take those for granted in our world, but I mean, almost everybody gets an EKG when they come in. Um, yeah. And, and, and when we're actually seeing it, younger and younger now. I mean, you, you know, unfortunately, what you see in the in, in in popular culture and the media and what you see in the news influences the way that we behave, unfortunately. Oh, a thousand percent. So, so we, you know, I I think, you know, there's there's been big stories recently and it happens every few years, but most recently I think it was with with Bronnie James. Bronnie right? James, right. Yeah. So for the next several weeks we had a lot of concerned parents. Um Oh, and really? You'd, you'd like definitely see that uptick. Absolutely. You know, with, oh. with wanting, with not only wanting necessarily a, a physical, a sports physical, but, you know, certainly EKG and, and even an echocardiogram to identify, you know, problems uh, up front. So I, and, and I think that's becoming more, more of a common practice anyways, but, um, you know, you, you see events like that, that kind of shape how, how people you know, uh, do you know if these athletes, um, get these, you know, most of these athletes at probably these big schools, I would imagine get most of these tests preventively, I guess. I I, I don't know what they're, I don't know though. 
I would say there, there's so much money involved, not just in professional yeah. sports anymore, but in college sports now too. And the money that they're investing into these players that to me, it's shocking when something like this happens now, because I have to believe all these players and schools have the resources to, you know, to screen these kids before they play. Did, did we ever find out what actually happened with Bronny James? Was it? Gotcha. I had heard various things. I had heard. It, I mean, we can we can make assumptions about, you know, yeah. obstructive cardiomyopathy or cardiomyopathy of some sort, RV, you know, card, right ventricular cardiomyopathy, something like that. But um, I, I mean, and knowing what we know about why people have sudden cardiac death when they're playing <laughs> sports, the fact that it happened, we don't know why it happened. And the fact that he's now back playing yeah. a few months later or was out to dinner a couple of nights later. I, it's, I don't know. I have no yeah. answers Yeah, to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, I, I think wow. that's um, a really, really important point that, well, I, it's, I don't know that it's necessarily sad that that's, it takes something in pop culture or just, you know, you know, in the news to drive people to do that. But then again, these families wouldn't have necessarily come to you for, you know, a quote sports physical, but you're not really catching it. I mean, did you catch anything that, that wasn't, you know, that wouldn't have been caught otherwise? No, you know, that's the, that's the million dollar question, right? So if you, if you offer this kind of testing to everybody, how much are you actually, right? right. What's the benefit that you're reaping? No. I mean, for the most part, you're not routinely identifying anything of significance. Um, so, so no, although interestingly, kind of as a side note, we, with one of the hospital, actually a few of the hospitals I'm on staff at locally, um, we, we do these heart healthy screens once or twice a year. So not necessarily geared towards younger kids or the athletes, but just open to all adults right. and they come in, they get in and, and it's just an EKG. You kind of sit down, do an intake, uh, get their medical history. And, and we actually tend to find a lot more issues that way. These are people who may not otherwise have access to routine medical care or things of that nature. And you'd be surprised how much we uncover just on baseline EKGs and, and just, you know, talking to patients. That's awesome. Vanessa, so. did you ever get one of those full, I mean, at this point, your full body has been scanned, but it did has. you ever get one of those head to toe scans? Yeah, that's what I have but not gotten, part of oh. not part of this pre. Oh, you pre mean like cancer. like paying and like doing all this stuff? No, yeah, I wanted to, and then then I got cancer, and then I got that would be I the absolute been... worst worst test for you to do. Oh yes, I actually am against these tests because oh that's when, interesting when I when I first got diagnosed, they were like, oh yeah, you know, okay, we know what kind of cancer it is, her triple positive. Okay, we're gonna go, gotta go do an MRI face down breast up breast and both breasts i'm like okay great and they're like oh kidding we can't do surgery next week because we think we found something on the right and i was yeah. like okay and then you know because i'm a psycho i can like read a scan so then i go in the next week i had to wait a whole week i go in and i'm sitting with the doctor and i can see she's like okay i'm gonna try to recreate this and i can see what they see and she's like you're gonna lay down you cannot move i got a like guided biopsy like you can't like don't even breathe i'm like holy crap and then she like puts me in the machine, pulls me out, puts me back in. And I was like, she didn't see it again. And then she pulls me out and she's like, you're a lucky duck. That was just like glandular, like fat moving yeah, around. Something. Like, And I was like, 
what she was like you're a good girl but come back in six months so we can make sure make like, sure okay. right all right 99 yeah, was... you know walk out of the room yeah. you feel fine but i mean it's dustin like our sad. group of friends is like they there's a there's a segment of the group that i don't know if anybody has gotten that full body scan but certainly they they talk about it at this point and i think it's I don't know. I don't think I could deal with with the results. They would probably drive oh, me crazy. Certainly, they would stressful. drive you, Vanessa, crazy. Yeah. Yes, because because they're like, oh, we found something, and now you have to really wait. You right. got to call your doctor. I mean, I don't have to wait because I have all of you people in my life, and and you don't want to hear me talk. So you'll, I mean, Dustin will personally fly me to Michigan to just shut me up. Probably, yeah. like you'll yeah. you'll start to see. So it's like okay, and and then you're waiting, and then someone's going to be like, oh, it was just fat moving around your body because that's normal. Bye. You're like, great, I just lost all of my hair and 20 pounds, but great, great. The the I think my follow-up question for Dustin is how often <laughs> do you have a patient like Vanessa? And I'm and I'm joking because you're not gonna say that, but I think one of the big dangers, this is kind of a like a slow transition to another topic, <laughs> is you know, Dr. Google, right? And and yeah. how that helps patients. And how but that wait, hurts patients. But wait, I am funny and neurotic and I I'm a clinician, so I can have an actual a thousand like, percent educated dialogue with a physician, yeah. and I'm not actually that crazy. So doctors like me. I you would don't say like that me you're neurotic much. and funny. There's a difference <laughs> yeah. between funny and neurotic, and neurotic and funny. I think you're neurotic. Yeah, <laughs> bold and yeah. funny. Yeah, I, I just I come in informed. Like, let's make a plan. Yeah, I mean, you're it. informed. I think you're obviously you're very well educated, and you can. You know, you're you're well spoken enough to communicate with a doctor, but I think that when people don't have any kind of healthcare background and then they start to, you know, use Google or whatever their resource <laughs> right, is, right. I think it's wonderful. I think that the health literacy and, and education is awesome, but there's this is a double-edged sword. So I'm really curious to hear Dustin's side, especially with heart health. How do people get themselves into trouble, but also how is it a benefit and your experience with that? Yeah. So, I mean, let it be said, all four patients, you know, being informed. I mean, it, it, it certainly makes conversations easier when they come into the office, um, but you always caution them, right? I mean, it's it's like anything else in life. You're, you can get you can get information from all kinds of sources and you're, you're probably going to find at least one source that kind of conforms to what you want to hear. Um, so, I mean, building a base of knowledge and then coming in and having that discussion is great, but I, sometimes we see where patients come in with all this, this knowledge or even, you know, printed out stuff from Google and, and the problem is it already shapes their opinion before they even come in. So then, you know, you're, you're trying to convince them otherwise or undo what they've already read. So, right. I think certainly, you know, self-informing is is great, but you have to at least, you know, see it for what it is, which is, you know, I'm going to the doctor for a reason. Let's yep. let's hear what they have to say, and yeah. um, so it, it helps. I mean, in in terms of, um, you know, and and for whatever reason, it's kind of correlated with COVID and the pandemic. But I, I will tell you, I see a lot more stress and anxiety in the office over the last three, four years than I, I ever saw before, um, you know, COVID. And, and I, I don't know if there's any significant correlation between the two, but, um, yeah, I mean, stress and anxiety drive a lot of, of what we see on a daily basis, um, either exacerbating it, causing it, um, you know, we, we see all sorts of symptoms related to stress and anxiety. And the problem is they mimic a lot of the things that we see, with true cardiac problems. So 
Um, I'm moving my character, well, Justin. Look at, look Justin like, sees oh, me. Yeah. He knows that yeah. I'm anxious. <laughs> and he wants to make sure I'm calm. I like him. He's a good cardiologist. Well, the, the idea, Dust, it's, it's, you know, the white coat syndrome. This is true for all medical professionals, but, you know, we'll get a patient who comes in and blood pressure is 190 over, you know, 100, and you give them a little bit of sedation. You give them maybe like a benzo or something like that, and all of a sudden, you know, calm is 120 over 70. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Just like <laughs> benzos numbers. need to be in the water at this point. Whoa. It's just like certain medication needs to be in the water to kind of calm everyone down. I think especially post-COVID. I think- between the health scare that was COVID, I think the economic scare and and kind of crash that was COVID and everything around it, I think there's a lot of obvious reasons that people are so high strung mm-hmm. and is certainly the root for a lot of a lot of medical medical health issues. No and doubt. I think about the pressures, that. I think the pressures that we have as adults and parents are not the pressures that our parents had. Like if you really like think back, like, did my parents actually parent me? And I have good caring <laughs> parents, right? They just like gave me a set of rules and were like, follow these fucking rules or mm-hmm. you're going to be in trouble and do these things. And I did them. But like, my mother was not concerned with the intricacies of like my friend group or like all of the, like figure out your life. Right. And so it's, and also, you know, like one bag of groceries wasn't $400. So that was right. another thing, right? Like just so much is happening to people now that like, I don't know. I don't know how things are hard, very hard for people. And so I get, I get the anxiety part. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, like we, it was be home by dark. Right. I mean, like yeah. now, now it's like we have these apps on our phones where you're like literally Practice. watching every yep. move your kid makes. So it's, That's it's hundred percent. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. yeah, these things will drive you crazy. This is not related, but I will tell you, my mom will be like, I can't believe you put your kids on a campus and send them 40 miles away. I'm like, first of all, I put a tracker in the backpack and I watch it on my phone. Yeah. You put me on a flight to Europe where then my aunt would have to pick me up and then drive 30 minutes to her house and then call an international operator to then call you to let you know I arrived. Yep. She's like, it was a different time. Different. I'm like, time yeah, different. thanks, mom. All right, well, before we end this time... We have some listener questions for you, Dustin. So are you ready? Oh, this is going to be our little bit of our, of our lightning round. Rapid Um, fire. Rapid fire 2024. Here it comes. Here it comes. What is the quickest way I can improve my heart health? (laughs) The, the quickest way or ways are, are easy. The things you can do at home. And it, it sounds like you already do a lot of them, but it just in general, it's, it's things you can control. So exercise, dietary changes, you know, all the little habits that add up. So if, if, you know, if you, if you smoke, obviously, or if, if you're not exercising frequently enough, if you're not getting enough sleep at night, not drinking enough water, these are, these are all simple things we take for granted, but, you know, adding them all up is, is certainly things that can contribute to not only heart health, but just a healthier lifestyle in general. And this I'm, I'm going to change up the question. Okay. Uh, I'm going to change up one of the questions that I was going to ask, because I want you to kind of buy or sell these dust mm-hmm. chocolate, Red wine, heart health. Good or I'm, bad I'm, for us? I'm buying all of them. Buying all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and I, I, heart health aside. But no, seriously, um, I mean there 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 is data to suggest that that both red wine, uh chocolate, dark chocolate specifically, um, do have some some um cardiovascular benefits. So um I tell patients, they always say, how do I get my HDL, my good cholesterol, right? So exercise is the easy answer, really the only answer. 
but you know, you can drop the hint that or a glass of red wine here and there doesn't hurt. So right. Right. That's good to know. Here's a question because every time I'm on a soul cycle bike, I think I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> like my heart rate goes up and I'm like, You see what I'm saying, Dust? You see what I'm saying here? This is yeah. I described her to yeah. a T, right? But then but then I but then I talk myself down and I make it to the end of the class. But what happens to my heart rate, my blood pressure during a heart attack? Like, is there something that I can feel? that would signal to me like, oh, this is more serious than just like, oh, my heart rate is going up because I'm working out at intensely. So that's a tough one. Um, I, the, the, the easy answer is it, it depends. Um, heart rate can go up or down. Blood pressure can go up or down. It, it depends on the size of the heart attack, the location, how far into the heart attack you are, um, you know, how much hemodynamic instability it's causing. So it, it kind of loaded question because you really can see all sorts of derangements. I think the bigger thing is recognizing symptoms, but that can be tricky too, because we know not everyone has the same symptoms. You know, women notoriously don't have the same symptoms as men, but um, I always tell patients or just people in general, you know, they say, when do I go to the emergency room? Because I don't want to go to the emergency room. I say, well, look, if, if you're not feeling right, if you think something's wrong, go. The worst thing that happens is they send you home. Or the best thing, I guess, depends on how you look at it. But uh, I, I mean, I, you know, obviously we, we know the, the usual suspects, chest pain, shortness of breath, things like that. But, you know, persistent GI upset or, or nausea for no other reason, jaw pain, arm pain, you know, that you can't really explain otherwise. Um, uh, those are all symptoms that I think should at least be on, on, the, on the, in the back of our minds when, when we're not feeling right. Okay. And the last question, can I check my heart health at home? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, you know, there's a couple of easy things that you can do. So certainly I think having a blood pressure cuff at home is, is not a bad thing whatsoever. Um, you know, you have to be careful because some patients that drive, they drive themselves crazy. They check once it's a little bit elevated and then they keep checking. And then they call, I get the phone call after the 10th reading and they say, well, my pressure's through the roof. So how many times do you check? So no, but I, I, you know, we, we know that blood pressure corresponds very well with cardiovascular risk. And if you can maintain your, your blood pressure in, in, you know, systolics, at least less than 120, that's great. So knowing your blood pressure, um, knowing your heart rate, things like Apple watches, you know, there's even a, a cardia app, which can give you, you know, EKG printouts, which are convenient because we can have patients email them, text them to us. Um, some patients have pulse oximeters at home since the pandemic. I don't, I don't know that that's such a huge need, but I think knowing blood pressure, being able to track your heart rate, especially while you exercise, um, monitoring your weight. These are all easy things you can do at home. Awesome. Well, yeah. so good to awesome. meet you. Yeah. Great meeting as well. <laughs> This was Dust, fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. This was, yeah. this was fantastic. Uh, we covered a lot of ground. I'm sure that we could do another couple episodes. We are grateful for your expertise, uh, for joining us, for taking some time and for being on our first episode, a special episode, a 2024 first episode. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your yeah. insight. Um, awesome. Again, yeah, thank well, you so much, Dust. Thank you guys for having me and uh, uh, happy new year. Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Easy to Digest. If you have any questions or topics you want to discuss, send us an email at podcast at kalinahealth.com. We absolutely love hearing from our listeners. Remember, that's podcast at kalinahealth.com.
Yes, totally. We may be medical professionals, but we've also been through some of our own real stuff. We want this show to feel like you're hanging out with your healthcare providers who can give you the inside scoop. But remember, just a quick disclaimer, as good as this podcast is and as smart as our guests are, we are not here to replace your own medical providers. Yes, thank you for that safety disclaimer, Benji. All right, well, stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, take care and be well. Bye.